Hello and welcome to the second episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. I'm your host James Herrick and today we're going to be breaking down Saturday's fight card, UFC Fight Night Home versus Aldana. And then after that we're going to be looking at some other potential rumors and events that are happening in the world of MMA. Alright, I'd like to start off right at the top of the main card, Holly Holm versus Irene Aldana. Now, Holly Holm looked great in this fight. Right off the right off the jump, she came out aggressive. Some very good striking against a very good striker in Irene Aldana. And throughout the fight, she mixed in some takedowns and really showed her grappling. We all know Holly is a very decorated boxer and kickboxer. But uh, this fight, she showed a lot of that grappling that we don't see every fight. Took down Irina Aldana, I believe, four or five times throughout the course of these five rounds. And she really did look great. She did a great job attacking the body with some front leg kicks and things like that. And overall, it was just Holly Holm seemed to outclass and outwork Aldana throughout the course of these five rounds, which is impressive because, you know, Irina Aldana is no chump herself. So that was an impressive performance. Should have got the performance for the night bonus. It didn't, but that's all right. That's all right. But um, next for Holly... She is ranked fourth in the rankings, or no, she wasn't. She was ranked second in the rankings coming into this fight. Yeah, she was second. She took out Aldana. Aldana was sixth. So we're getting close. You know, obviously Jermaine Durand and me fought on this card as well. And actually, we'll talk about that fight next. Um, Jermaine looked pretty good I know she lost the second round pretty decisively but over the course of that fight she looked great in the first round her striking you know was obviously great decorated Muay Thai and but she showed some groundwork and some pretty impressive improvements from her last fight versus Amanda obviously Amanda's great and something that uh, Amanda did to control that fight was through the grappling and wrestling and this fight, it seemed like Jermaine really, you know, progressed further in her grappling, which is, for her career, that's crucial. Absolutely crucial. I mean, we all saw how she ended, she, uh, ended it with the guillotine in round three. Put Juliana Pena to sleep, to absolute sleep. But aside from that, you know, she had, she had a nice sweep in the uh, second round and had a deep Von Flew choke as well. That she almost ended the fight in the second round with that. So her progression as a grappler has been tremendous. And I think this really puts Jermaine Durand to me at a spot where she can get right back at that title picture. She's in the title picture, but she can really push for, you know, push for a rematch here. And I think as of right now, the fight to make is definitely... um, Holly and Jermaine Durand to me. I mean, at this point, they're one and two. They both won. And I'm not sure the timetable for when everyone wants to fight again. I mean, I feel like they both got out pretty unscathed. But, you know, that can be a hard thing to judge from the outside. 
I haven't heard anything yet of anything that would be holding them back. And who knows when Amanda wants to fight again and what weight class she's going to go. I know she just offended at 145 recently, but um, she just had uh, her and her girlfriend just had their first kid. And I know Amanda's been talking about taking some time off. So I believe she's going to take some time off. And while we wait for uh, Amanda to get back, we can easily schedule Jermaine Durand and me and Holly Holm match and then have the winner take on Amanda. I feel like that's probably the best course of action because they've both lost to Amanda before. And I believe they have fought. And I think that went to Jermaine, if I remember correctly. Let's see here. Yeah. UFC 208 back in 2017. Jermaine beat Holly. But, I mean, that three years in MMA time is a long time. So, they're they're due for a rematch, especially if they're both at the top of the title, title pitcher. You know, there isn't really much to talk about with that. Um, they both had great performances. And um, for Jermaine Durand, it means kind of disappointed in uh i shouldn't say disappointed um i feel like it was a bad stoppage here by jason herzog and jason herzog's a great ref but i mean jesus christ jermaine had a guillotine on her that was she held it for six seconds after five six seconds after juliana pena was out and i mean shit it's not that hard to tell when someone goes limp you know the broadcast booth is telling hey she's out Jermaine's holding the holding the fucking guillotine, looking at Jason Herzog like, hey, he, she's she's passed out, and he's sitting there, you know, over in the corner, fucking figuring out what he's gonna make for dinner when he gets home. Fucking, we need better stop or better stoppages than that. And Herzog's a pretty good ref, so I shouldn't be too harsh on him, but you know, that was a pretty pretty bad stoppage. You gotta get in that one earlier. Okay. And then at the co-main, uh, we had Jorgen DeCastro versus Carlos Felipe. And I was pretty surprised with Carlos Felipe's performance. I know uh, Jorgen DeCastro has looked very impressive in all of his UFC, UFC fights. And uh, I thought he was the clear favorite in this one. And Carlos Felipe went out and proved that wrong. He went out and performed very well. There isn't really much to say for that. Look, he was wore down DeCastro De over the course of the three rounds and got a much, very well-earned decision. And then at the bottom of this main card, we had some really fun fights with um, Kyler Phillips versus Cameron Else and Dusko Todorovic versus Daquan Townsend. And... Like I said, these are two really fun fights. Both ended second round via stoppage, via uh, TKOs. And um, let's start with Kyler Phillips. Kyler Phillips looks looked great. Looked great. Came out with the Jorge Masvidal hair. Even went for a couple flying knees. He's a really exciting future, or a really exciting fighter. And someone that I think we will see a lot from in the future. He came out, he looked fast, strong, you know. All of those types of things. And Cameron Else is no 
no one's slump. He's no chump, even though I know this was a short-nosed fight for him, and I think he's got a potential in the UFC as well. But uh, Tyler Phillips looked very exciting. I think he has a future in the bantamweight division for sure. And then Dusko Todorovic. He looked great. He was taking on Dequan Townsend, excuse me. And he was landing some hard shots. It's in this fight you usually don't give credit. You don't usually don't give too much credit to the loser in a fight, but Dequan Townsend Townsend took a beating. That is one tough man with one hell of a chin. He took some shots that would put a lot of these middleweights out from Dusko. And I mean Dusko looked great. Um he looked very composed, I would say. Because there were a couple points in this fight where he landed some big shots and he didn't he didn't overcommit to a finish. And that's something I like to see, especially from younger fighters on the come up, is really showing that they know how to finish fights. It got to a point in that fight where it looked like Dusko was going to win. And, you know, he didn't push too far to where he would make a mistake. He kept himself composed and was able to get the finish, which was great. Especially for him. You know, I think I think this is a guy to look out for, especially in this middleweight division. So many fun prospects on this uh fight card here. All four all four of these guys in the bottom two fights on the main card are guys who I think all have futures in the UFC, you know. Especially Tusco and Kyler Phillips. They all looked incredibly imp- impressive. And then on the prelims, we had Carlos Condit. I don't know how Carlos Condit made his way onto the prelims, but he did. I don't know who decided to put him on the prelims. That's a main card fighter. But he looked great. He looked really good. He won, and it's nice to see him finally break that five-fight skid he was on. And I think he called for the Nick Diaz rematch in his post-fight press conference, which is, I think it's probably the right fight for him. I think we should pair up some of these um some of these older fighters are the perfect guys to pair with one another. You know, you could pair him with Nick Diaz on his return. You could pair him with Diego. I know I'm haven't heard anything about Diego retiring yet. Diego Sanchez, but that could be another fight to make. You know, I think we should just pair some of these older guys together and then we can kind of sort out, you know, who looks best. You know, these older guys, you've got Cowboy, Carlos Condit, Nick Diaz, some of these types of guys that are, you know, Nick Diaz is coming back out of retirement. You know, a lot of these guys are getting calls to retire. Robbie Lawler is another name. A lot of these guys are getting calls that they need to retire. A lot of people are saying they need to retire. But uh, for that's not the case for all these guys. But I think pairing them together and figuring out who comes out of, out on top, I feel like this is a very unique situation where we have this many guys, you know, around that 15 spot in the rankings, a little bit outside of the rankings. In Diego's case, he's probably fairly far outside. Pairing some of these guys together, getting them getting them a couple more matches before retirement because I know a lot of these guys don't want to retire, but it gets to the point where it's just eventually going to happen and there's nothing you can do about that. So pair some of these guys up, see who can see who can get some wins, see who can add to their resume a little bit more, and 
you know, for those guys who are losing, then probably time to say that uh, that retirement word that I know a lot of people don't like. And uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to talk about for the Saturday night's home versus Eldana. Wasn't overall, it wasn't that strong of a card. There was, you know, some, there were some fun fights. We'll say that, you know, home and home versus Eldana obviously had title implications along with Pena and Durandamy. But other than that, it was just kind of some up and comers, some UFC prospects that were starting to see in action a little bit more, which is always great. But, you know, doesn't leave much to talk about because I don't want to overreact to one fight, especially for guys like Dusko and Kyler Phillips. Okay. And uh, before we move on, one last thing is um, this for Irina Aldana. Irina Aldana, obviously, I think still has great potential in this woman's bantamweight division because coming into this fight, she was six with a knockout over Ketlin Vieira. Great knockout power. Power that we don't see a lot of. We see a little bit of that at 135. We don't see a lot of that type of power across all the women weight divisions. But I don't want to see her move too far down in the rankings. You know, this was a big step up for her. I think if she gets one, two, three more fights under her belt, she can be right back to uh, this on top, this top portion of the female bantamweight division and eventually make her run at a title because from what I see from her, she's only improving, you know. Even though she lost this fight, it was a massive step up in competition, you know, especially in this woman's bantamweight division, going from fighting who was ranked at seven all the way up to two, you know. There isn't as much um, parity in these women divisions as some of the deeper weight classes. But, um, you know... I think there's a couple of fun fights we can make for her. And I don't want to see her move too far down in these rankings, but I think she still has a very bright future. And I'm excited to see what she can do in the near future. All right, next, let's move on to the back to back weeks. We're over here talking about Conor McGregor. Who's Conor fighting? What's next for Conor? Oh, well, at least this week, I don't have to sit here and talk about him fighting Diego Sanchez because that was ridiculous. Ridiculous ridiculous that's the only way i can describe that whole diego situation anyways if you didn't see conor mcgregor and dustin poirier agreed to a charity exhibition match in ireland i believe it was december 12th was the date that they said um don't quote me on that i know it was in december which is i think that's a great thing Anytime you're putting money towards charity, this is great. Now, there's a couple of questions I really have with this is when we're talking exhibition, what kind of exhibition are we talking here? You know, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr., they're doing an exhibition, but they're going to fight, right? And then are we doing an exhibition that's more of a sparring, you know? So this raises a lot of questions with what, what exactly are we doing here? we're we're trying to raise money on one side, but what are we doing with the fight? Like, what are we going to watch here? Are we going to see two guys go in there and, you know, duke it out and, you know, see a Connor versus Dustin? I think we've wanted to see that rematch for a long time. Dustin's been calling for it for a long time. 
and or are we going to see, you know, 50%, you know, headgear, you know, there's just a lot of questions that has really has not been answered. And another big one is how is this going to affect the UFC lightweight rankings? Because this fight isn't happening in the UFC. Dana's trying to make this fight. That's I we should talk about that first. Dana has countered this offer. These two Connor and Dustin pretty much said, hey, we're going to go fight in charity. And Dana said, oh, if you want to fight, you know, come do it in December in the UFC. So I'm really interested to see if they move this to the UFC and make it, if it's still, if it's still a charity match. I feel like once you say, hey, we're having a charity match, you can't be like, ah, never mind. We're going to go do the same fight for millions of dollars. Maybe not Dustin's case. Connor would make millions, obviously. I don't know how much they'd pay Dustin for that. That's kind of, you know, they've had discussions with Dustin's pay, and Dustin is obviously underpaid at this point in his career. He's done too much work to be making what he's making. So, but if they go forward with this charity match, how does that affect the UFC lightweight rankings? Because after this, Justin, or after Khabib and Gaethje, that's in less than a month. That's the next pay-per-view. We're going to be looking for someone, if Khabib wins, we're going to be looking for someone to take on Khabib. So if they go do this fight and say Connor beats beats Dustin in this little charity match, how does that affect the UFC lightweight rankings? Does Dana say, hey, you know, he beat Dustin, that, that gives him an opportunity to go fight Khabib in the rematch? I feel like that's something Dana would do. Because he obviously wants that money. It's a big money rematch. I feel like if they go out there and fight and Connor wins, that's the first card Dana will pull. Is, oh, Connor wins. He can fight Khabib next. But on the flip side, what happens if Dustin's win? Dustin wins? If Dustin wins, do you think Dana's going to say, oh, well, excuse me. Do you think he's going to say, oh, well, Dustin went out there and got the jump on Connor so he can in turn get, his, get a rematch against Khabib? Is that going to happen? Probably not, right? So at this point, it doesn't make much sense for these two to do a charity match. I know obviously raising money, but if Dana would just eat the bullet on this one, right? And just have a um just have a charity match in the U- in the UFC and do it for do it for charity, and then we can solve these issues. You're not abandoning a charity match for nothing, right? You're not just abandoning that to go fight in the UFC to make money. You still have the charity banner. You don't want that to go away. So you're still fighting for charity, but now it's worth a little bit more. You'll probably make more from charity if it's a, if it's a real sanctioned event. And we don't have these questions about how does this affect the UFC and the title picture and who fights could be in the future. Because in all honesty, we can't really afford to have these types of questions because I know Khabib is looking towards retirement. He always called 30 and 0 retirement for Khabib. And that's interesting because he's at 28 right now and he wants to retire at 30. So this, and he's got this fight against Gaethje lined up and then that leaves Tony out that leaves GSP that leaves Connor 
these are fights that I believe most people want to see. Most people want to see at least two of these fights. Some people, a lot of people want to see all three. I would fall into that category. I would like to see all three of those fights, right? Some people would find a way to dismiss one of the three and say they only want to see two of them. That's fine. And um, I don't think there's anyone out there who will tell you, oh, I, I, there's just one of those that I want to see. The other two don't really interest me. But that's getting Khabib to 31 and 32 fights. So now we're trying to match up these guys for their big money paydays between, you know, this could be rematch is obviously going to be big money, you know, big for legacy. And we're only leaving one spot left. So by having Connor and Dustin in a charity match, it could really mess up this timeline of Khabib's 30th fight. You know, if if Tony goes out there and say Tony fights Michael Chandler and these two go fight uh, Connor and Dustin, okay, and Tony gets a dumb jump on Michael Chandler, then that leaves Tony kind of in a better position to go get this Khabib fight, right? So we have to ask ourselves the question if we're Connor and Dustin, does this help us get Khabib? Is that your end goal to get Khabib? You know, Connor could potentially not want to rematch against Khabib if you, you know, Connor could say, I don't really want to fight Khabib again. He may be waiting till that 30th fight to come back and get the lightweight belt after Khabib's gone. I'm not saying that's what he is doing, but it could be potentially what he's doing. This could be a way to make, make some cash beforehand. And so this story, I think, is still, we're still developing this greatly. We're still developing how exactly this is going to play out. And then there's, there's going to be some big twists and some, some things we have to learn before, before we get this all figured out. But as of right now, I can't wait to see how this plays out because if Khabib truly only has two more fights and one's going to be against Gaethje, that leaves a slew of guys on the outside looking into that 30th fight, you know. And um, I think he's got so many options that if Khabib wanted to keep fighting, he could because there's never going to be short of short of challengers, you know. I just laid out three fights, you know, Tony, GSP, Connor. If he fights all three, three of those guys, that's, a, that's over a year's work. So I don't know how longer Khabib wants to stay in this fight game, but I mean, the longer he can, the better because that just gives more excitement for us in this UFC division. All right, I want to move on from that topic. The next thing I want to talk about is Israel Adesanya's next fight. Uh, Last week, if you watched, you know that I was big into Izzy fighting the winner of Whitaker versus Jared Kananir. And... I thought that was going to be unanimous. I thought that a lot of people would agree with this. But I saw a lot of um, talk about that not being the case. Looking at other fights, we could get Izzy. Which I think is pretty silly, right? Right now, Whitaker and Cannoneer are on that Gaethje-Khabib card. So I think once that fight rolls around, it'll put, put this other... Um, this other narrative away that um, Izzy could be fighting someone else. Because I think one of those two guys are going to go out there and they're going to press and they're going to pretty much make the case that they should be fighting Izzy next. But as of right now, I've seen a lot of talk 
that Izzy should fight Chris Weidman, right? What or Chael Sonnen had Weidman on his YouTube channel, did an interview with him, and Weidman said that he thinks he's the toughest matchup for Izzy from a wrestling standpoint. He said he beat Anderson so he can beat Izzy. Now, um, I think that's kind of crazy, right? Now we're getting into some crazy talk, talking about pairing up Weidman with Izzy. Okay. Chris Weidman needs some more wins before we start saying anything about a championship. Let's not forget that it's been probably about a year, maybe a little bit more than a year, since he moved to light heavyweight because he was so... He was... um. Falling behind in this middleweight division. So he moved to light heavyweight to take on Reyes to hopes to, in hopes to get a fast track to another title shot. That obviously didn't come to fruition after he lost to Dominic Reyes. But now he's... So he goes back to middleweight after that. Takes on Omari Akhmedov and wins, right? But beating Omari Akhmedov... In your first fight back at middleweight since you left the division, does not grant you the opportunity to go fight for a title. As much as Omar Akhmedov's a great fighter, that's not enough to push you over the edge to go get that title shot, especially over guys like Whitaker, Cannoneer, Jack Hermanson, Darren Till, Derek Brunson. Come on. We're getting into some. Silly talk when we're talking about Chris Weidman versus Izzy. So, if Chris Weidman thinks he can beat Izzy, that's one thing. Thinking you can beat the champion does not give you the right to face the champion. Okay. If that was the case, Leon Edwards would be fighting Kamara Usman tomorrow. Because I'm sure Leon thinks he can beat Usman. Right? Just because you think you can go out and beat the champion and you have a stylistic matchup with the champion that, on paper, Weidman does have a favorable matchup with Izzy. I'm not saying I still think Izzy would win that fight, but on paper, Weidman has a better case in his skills of how he could beat Izzy than some of these other guys at the top of the division. But like I said, that doesn't grant you the right to fight for the title. If that was the case, we wouldn't have contenders fights, right? We would just look around and go, ooh, who has the best shot at beating Izzy? And we'd pick somebody. But no, we have contenders fights to see who wins, to see who's the best. And that determines who's fighting for the championship, you know? The NFL doesn't look around and go, oh, well, I think the I think the Chiefs could give the Patriots a tough Tough matchups. That's that's who we'll book in the Super Bowl this year. That doesn't happen because that'd be fucking silly. That'd be silly. So we're not going to do it here in the UFC. We're not just going to look around and go, oh, I think Weidman could give Izzy a tough time stylistically. Let's book him for the championship. No. You got to work your way up through the rankings, beat some guys, Beat one or two contenders and get your shot. But you can't just, you know, looking at some of these other rankings, um, who would who would, who could give uh, 
For example, let's look at lightweight. Who could give Khabib a run for his money stylistically? Charles Oliveira could potentially be someone who could give Khabib a run for his money stylistically. We saw the ground submissions he has. Good striking, similar to Tony Ferguson in body type, length, height, skills. Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira are two very similar fighters. With that being said, no one's out here saying, hey, we should give Charles Oliveira a championship fight after Gaethje because he matches up well with Khabib, right? No one's saying that shit. But for some reason, people are saying it about Chris Weidman and Izzy, and it's starting to stick, right? This is fucking silly. It's all silliness, right? There's no reason to do any of this. So, with that being said, we should put a fork in this Chris Weidman versus Izzy talk. Now, with that being said, no disrespect to Chris Weidman because Chris Weidman is still a good fighter. He deserves his number nine rank. But let's take Let's put this Izzy talk on hold. Go get a win. Go get another win. If he really wants to fight Izzy for the title next, he needs to take on um, Hotspot Chumayev. It's if you if you really want that title shot, okay, taking on Hazmat and beating Hazmat would prove that you're still top tier, right? A lot of people look at Hazmat like a rank fighter. I'd like to see Hazmat at welterweight, but if he wants to go 185, that's fine. Take on Chris Weidman, Hazmat and Maev, or excuse me, Hazmat and Chris Weidman. If Chris Weidman wins that, people are going to be saying, hey, fight Izzy, hey, fight Izzy, hey, fight Izzy. And Hazmat's looking for a fight. So if you really want to get the fast track to that title shot, take on Hazmat Chimaev. Because the fans are the people who are going to be pushing for your title fight after that, right? It's not just going to be you saying, hey, I match up well. With three people agreeing with you going, oh, yeah, give him the title shot against Izzy. If you can go beat Hazmat Chumayev, people are going to be saying, wow, you know, he just took out a dog. Maybe he can give Izzy a run for his money. So at this point, we're really making progress, right? You got to make progress towards that top end. And I know this is coming off very condescending. But the reason that is because this is, I feel like this is all silliness that we're talking, right? There's no reason that Chris Weidman should fight Izzy next. It just doesn't seem, it just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Okay. It just doesn't seem like you're making the right move. There's plenty other ways that Chris Weidman can go. To get himself back to the title pitcher. But you can't just jump the line like that. You know, there's a whole host of names you can name. I already said Hasmat. If you really want to fight Izzy, take on Hasmat. Another name, Kelvin Gastelum. We're, we're kind of waiting and hearing what, from what Kelvin's going to do next. If you can go out and get the jump on Kelvin Gastelum. In 2020, you're looking at moving forward. And people are going to really start getting behind you. Chris. Because Kelvin's gave Izzy his hardest fight of his career. So if you can take him out, now you're going to start changing changing the opinion 
on public opinion. Public opinion is what you need to get title fights in the UFC, for the most part. It's public opinion. That's why Masvidal fought Usman and not Leon Edwards. It's because public opinion was behind Masvidal getting the title shot. And so, it gets to the point where you need to get the fans behind you. And a great way by doing that would be fighting Hasmat. That's all I'm going to say on that. I just sounded like an asshole and sounded like I was making fun of Chris Weidman for fucking 10 minutes as I go on that rant. But, you know, that needed to be said, I feel like. Next up, Cody Garbrandt. Cody Garbrandt is out. At, I believe you. They was, I think that was booked for UFC 255, if I remember correctly. He's out in the 125 title fight. Yep, that was supposed to be the headliner of the main event. Or, excuse me, headliner of the main card. So, Divison Figueredo is now fighting Alex Perez. For the 125 belt. We need to add another fight to this. UFC 255 pay-per-view. Okay. Because at this point. Divis and Figueredo. Obviously amazing. Versus Alex Perez. To headline a UFC pay-per-view. Is not great. Right. That's not a headline we want. And I know we have Valentina on. Is the co-main. But that's still worrisome. If you're trying to... The the key to a pay-per-view is appealing to the casual fan. Right? There's hardcores that are going to buy this pay-per-view with Figueredo and Alex Perez at the top of the bill. But a lot of casual fans are going to look at that and go, who the fuck are these guys? Right? And at this point, I hate to say it, I feel like DV Sun is going to probably wipe the floor with Alex Perez. I don't think this is going to be overly competitive. We saw what he did to uh, Joseph Benavides twice. He did that twice, and he dismantled Joey B. So if you can do that twice against Joseph Benavides at this division, moving down to fight Alex Perez, who's now ranked fourth, and still he's he's probably not even in the most impressive name left in that division. I'd probably say Brandon Moreno is Probably the next best, next best guy under Figueredo and Joseph Benavidez. So we're really getting into an issue with who do you fight next? Well, not it's can that headline a pay per view? No, it can't. Right. So we need to find another fight to add onto this card. And I was talking earlier about Connor versus Dustin. That's a fight you could add to headline a pay-per-view. There's no belts involved, but that fight is going to garner more interest, even without a belt. If you wanted to do Dustin versus Tony, Connor versus Tony, a lot of these matches add so much more interest to this card than DV Sun and AliExpress at the top. And that's just that's just how the UFC is working right now. Right now, a lot of people aren't too interested in the 125-pound division. And that's a shame because the 125-pound division is obviously a group. I shouldn't say that. It's obviously a very fun division. There are always fun fights. Fun fights all over the card for the 125-pound division. But it's not as deep. It's not as... There's not as many fighters. The fighters in that division aren't as good, you know... Just looking at the rankings, if you're looking at guys ranked in the top five, 
You've got Perez at four, Alexandre Pantoja at five, and Formiga at six. That doesn't compare to either of these lower weight classes like Bantamweight, you have Corey Sanhagen, Frankie Edgar, Pedro Munoz. Featherweight, you've got Chan, you got the Korean Zombie, Yair Rodriguez, Coven Qatar. You know, this weight class just isn't as deep, and I think that that can change. That can obviously change quickly by putting some of these flyweight flights in in um, spotlight in the spotlight, right? So not only by putting Conor and Justin at the top of this card, would you get more pay per view buys? But these pay-per-view buys are going to result in a higher fan base for this 125 division, especially Divison Figueredo. And by using Connor to help build up your 125 weight class, you know, you're investing in the future by maybe in the future being able to headline with a Divison Figueredo. But right now, it's not going to happen, you know. Even though he's great, he doesn't have the name, he doesn't have the name value, Okay. Conor McGregor brings eyes, he'll increase your name value. So this by itself can help make Son a star. You know, he's got the talent. Put him on a card with Conor. He'd get a little bit deeper pockets. And, you know, that money's going to come in better because Conor's coming. So I think that's the best move you can do. And if you can't get Conor on that card, you need to look somewhere else, right? We've got a lot of fights that need to get booked right now that aren't booked. Okay, we're still looking at Stipe versus Nganu. Okay, we've got Kamaru versus Burns. I think that's happening the month after. We still don't know what we're doing at featherweight for in terms of a title. So a lot of these fights that are can be booked on this card. And um, if John Jones wants to fight, I I doubt that John would fight. This short of notice, I feel like John still wants to get big for heavyweight. But let's get another big name on the top of this card. I feel Masvidal and Covington. We want to get them matched up. So let's. We got to try and add one more name to this card, unless Dana is content with kind of rolling out a stinker. Because so far in 2020, we've had great pay per views. I don't know if he wants to roll one bad one out there just just so he can save some of these fights for the future. But I mean, right now, just because we've got Jennifer Maya and just because there's two title fights does not mean it's worthy of a pay-per-view, right? Because looking at these 125 title fights and these female title fights, they really, most of the time in recent history, they're not, they're usually co-mains on fights with other title fights, you know? They've done that several times with John Jones when John wasn't getting great pay-per-view numbers because everyone, you know, assumed he was going to win. They would throw another title fight, usually a female title fight, on the undercard or not or in the co-main. They did that in February, putting Valentina and Caitlin Chukagan. They put that on the co-main. So you're getting two title fights with the John Jones fight. You know that works. But when you're pairing a one and they did, they've done similar things with 125, where the 125 title fights will be on the main card of a pay-per-view, but not in the in the head, not in the at the top of the bill. And these are fights that do add great interest to, to pay-per-views, but not enough for a headline. So I think this is where the UFC is really struggling in that department. So and 
on the under, I don't know. I don't think they've released the UFC 255 fight card yet. But um, I know Mike Perry and Robbie Lawler are on that card. So that is um, a good addition to that to help kind of gauge some fan interest. Okay. UFC 255. You've got Mauricio Shogun Hua versus Paul Craig's on that card. I don't know how 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 bad people want to see that. I know Mauricio's kind of getting up there. He's another one of these fighters who's pretty old. You know, I don't want to say it, but he is. And then you've got Robbie Lawler and Mike Perry. That's a fun fight. That's a fight that gets interest. And you have another flyweight fight, Brandon Moreno versus Brandon Roy Vall. I don't know how credible that is. I'm looking at um, tapology here. For the fight card, but Brandon Royval and Brandon Moreno, I did Brandon Moreno, I did not know that that was going to happen on this card. That must have broken the last few days. But like I said, for Alex Perez to get a title shot over Brandon Moreno, I'm not too sure about that one. Especially if they're fighting on the same card. So yeah, that's not a main card that's going to really draw a lot of interest. So. Yeah, and Moreno and Perez. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's not a card that's going to draw a lot of interest. Not going to do great in the pay-per-view eyes. I don't. I wouldn't be surprised if they moved it down to a fight night. You know, if you put, if you want to increase your fight nights, put Valentina headline in a fight night. Put um, Figueroa headline in another fight night. So now, now we're getting two really good fight night cards. I think that could work. I'd be okay with not having a pay-per-view that month. Just me personally. I don't know if they have to do a certain number of pay-per-views for their ESPN deal. I know that they have to have to put it on a certain amount of cards. I don't know if there's a difference between pay-per-view and non-pay-per-view in terms of how many they have to do. But if you could make both of these fight night cards, I feel like that would be that would be pretty great. I feel like very descriptive. Pretty great, right? Those are the main topics that I wanted to talk about. I don't have much left um, before I end this. We'll do a double check to make sure no news has broken recently because this is short as of right now. We're only at 45 minutes. Oh, this is another thing I wanted to talk about. Here it is. We've already talked about it a little bit, but Dana White... Dana White said um, that he wants to make that Tony and Khabib fight, which is great news because I want to see that fight. I love Tony. Wanted to get that title shot. He just lost to Gaethje. But um, I think that is something that we need to see, Tony versus Khabib. That's a that's the white whale of MMA. We need to get that fight in. That one needs to be in the history books. We need to be able to look back at that in five, ten years. When we're talking about who the GOAT is, that does a lot for Khabib to make himself the GOAT. Okay. Is fighting Tony Ferguson, taking out... You know, we right now we have the best two guys of an era, really, at, at, at a certain division is Tony and Khabib. They're the best two guys of an era. And I kind of, kind of got really got in the way a lot of making that fight work, and injuries and other things really played into that as well. 
And obviously the pandemic in 2020 really hindered the ability to make that fight. But that fight does a lot for both of their careers. They're both proving who the best is, right? So, and I love to see that Dana wants to make that fight. And let's talk about the um, Israel Adesanya and John Jones beef. Izzy and John Jones. I don't know what to make of this because I don't think this fight is going to happen. I think they're both interested, but there's just too many hurdles as of right now. I think if you want that fight, now is probably the best time. Because if you go out and make that fight, you can make that fight for December. You can make that fight for January. And then you have Izzy um, would obviously still have his 185 belt. So Izzy would be able to defend that belt against the winner of Whitaker and Cannoneer afterwards so we're not really holding the 185 weight class back too far right it'd be we'd put it on the back burner a tad bit but it wouldn't be hindering 185 too bad if Izzy goes up and takes on John Jones right now but with that being said John Jones just probably doesn't want this fight I don't think John wants it John's trying to bulk to get to heavyweight and now you're talking about taking on a guy a division lower than you. Now we're just getting confused, right? If Izzy comes up to 205, he's going to be giving up weight. But can John still make 205? Because he's been bulking to try and get heavier and heavyweight. So now we'd be taking making this fight, and we would be putting, we'd be putting John Jones move to heavyweight. We'd be delaying that even further, which that could be okay. That could be okay. Because Francis and Stipe need to fight. But at this point, we've gotten to a position where I just said this is probably not great timing for this fight. But this is probably the only time if we really want that fight. If John goes up to get the heavyweight belt, now we're talking a guy with the weight class in between them. So at that point, and Izzy's not a big 185 pounder. He's obviously tall, lengthy. He is muscular. He's decisive deceptively muscular but that's doesn't result in weight so now we're getting ourselves into a position where we wouldn't be able to get this fight and i think that if that fight doesn't happen at the end of the day it's okay right that fight would be great for both of their careers but that's not a fight where you're expected that's not a fight you're expected to make right you don't have to make these fights tony versus khabib is a fight we're expected to make and have to make this is not one of those same fights it's different right it's very different in the in the weight category and i think that's okay that we can't make that fight and we're just gonna have to deal with it right now is now am I done, right? That's probably, yeah. That is all the news for this week. Just about everything there was to break down. Did a last second search there to make sure I didn't miss anything. Good thing I did because I would have missed some shit. So thank you so much for listening to the Headkit KO podcast. We will be back, or before we cut this off, actually... Let's look at next week's fight card. 
because we are running early here. So yeah, let's take a look at next week's fight card. That is Sandhagen versus Marais, I believe. Let me get this pulled up. We can look at the undercard as well. Yeah, we've got um, Sandhagen versus Marais. That's going to be a fun fight. Fun fight, and I'm interested to see how that will affect getting Aljamain and Piotr Jan scheduled to fight each other. Because we've been saying Piotr Jan and Aljamain Sterling have been going to get matched up, and we haven't made that match yet. So I'm worried, right? If Marais wins, he could jump Eljo in terms of who's next for Peter Jan. Which is concerning because I'd like to see... I would like to see that Eljo fight with Piotr Jan, right? But if Marais wins, he's going to have a big trump card. And that trump card is his knockout versus Eljo. He didn't just knock him out. He knocked him out cleanly, brutally. So, unfortunately, I think there's a chance that Marais could take this fight from Aljo. But if Sandhagen wins, then, obviously, Aljo just beat Sandhagen recently. So, Aljo would still be in line for that title fight. So, hopefully that title fight doesn't go anywhere. I would love to see that Aljo Pierian. And we need to get that scheduled ASAP. That could be another fight that we put on that UFC 255 card. So, um, moving to the co-main, we have Edson Barbosa versus, I, I can't say Maquan's last name, but Maquan. This should be an exciting fight. Uh, ooh, this should be an exciting fight. I love watching Edson Barbosa at featherweight. I think it was a good move. I can't believe he's able to make that weight. If he can consistently make that weight, then we're going to have fun with Edson Barbosa at Featherweight, um, Ben Rothwell is also on this card, who Ben Roth Rothwell, if I remember correctly, looked pretty good his last fight, so that's nice. It's nice to see some of these older guys looking good in fights. Um, and then on the card, um, we have three more kind of young prospect fights. I'm not going to talk too much about those. On the prelims, any notable names on the prelims? Hmm... No, I wouldn't say so. Tom Brees is the most notable name on the... No, Tom Brees and Chris Daukis are the most notable names on the prelims. You know, so nothing crazy happening there. Um, Overall, I think this is going to be very similar to this week's fight card, or last week's fight card. In terms of some up-and-comers on the prelims. A couple of good prospect fights on the main card with some. This fight is, has a couple more fights that have more title fight potential, right? Edson Barbosa is obviously on the card fan favorite. So and this should be a very fun fight card, I'm thinking. And after that, I know I'm getting ahead of myself. But Saturday, October 17th, Brian Ortega versus the Korean Zombie. Come on. That's a fun fight everyone's been waiting for. Can't wait for that fight. Not going to talk too much about it because that obviously is still a decent amount of time away. So we're going to end it here. I've said I'm going to end it second. This is the third time I've said I'm going to end this podcast, but now it's done. We're cu I'm cutting you off of content. We're done. All right. 
Thank you for watching the second episode of the Head Kick KO podcast. And I hope to see you again next week. Thank you.